What's going on, everybody? Cody with you. A brand new episode of Wax Packs and Warning Tracks with our guest Ivan Lovegren is coming up next. But before we get to that, we've got another great deal to tell you about this time over at MojoBreakShop.com. That's your home for sealed wax. Go over to MojoBreakShop.com and at checkout, make sure to put in the promo code June 12. That's June 1, 2 for 12% off your next purchase at MojoBreakShop.com. Prism Football Noir Basketball Tops Series 2 Baseball. We have got it all Pokemon cards, hockey, so much to get over at MojoBreakShop.com. Make sure to enter the promo code June 12. June 1, 2, you're going to get 12% off your next purchase at MojoBreakShop.com. Hey everybody, Cody Pazby back with you. It's another edition of Wax Packs and Warning Tracks, Mojo Breaks Baseball Card Podcast. All right, time to eat crow on this week's episode. I think we said last week, if you joined us then, great conversation with Scotty B. Cards if you haven't already. We talked about how Top Series 2 looked a little bit on the thin side, looked a little disappointing, especially considering the incredible display we have seen from so many talented young rookies the new stars of baseball and thinking man where are these guys well they were there all along uh tops pulled the rug out from under us but in a good way because guys like julio rodriguez bobby wood jr and spencer torkelson are in this latest set uh, as short print rookies is this the new way that Topps is going to be handling business? I asked that question to this week's guest and talked much, much more about the inner workings of the industry, some of the stuff going on as we lead up to the national in just a few weeks. Some of the big movements, not just in the baseball card world, but sports card world in general with Ivan Lovegren. Ivan has been a staple in the hobby for many years, one of the co-hosts of Go GTS Live for many years, just ended his tenure with the show. We talked a little bit about that and much, much more on this week's episode. Here is my conversation with Ivan. Ivan, first of all, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. really appreciate it. Cody, thank you for having me. um, I'm excited. Uh, I just have to double check you hit the record button. Yes, we are good. Yeah, we're recording. We're rolling. The only person uh, that will get that joke is Doug when he yeah. listens to this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that one's for Doug. Yeah, exactly. We once had the best conversation in our history. And it will just, it's lost. Uh, it's lost in the ether. It's lost to time. Uh, yeah. it, it was too good for for uh, the public to hear, I think. It That's really it was. was. It really yeah. was. And last year's national lived up to that conversation as we, yes. as we yes. anticipated last year. So. <laughs> So a, a lot of big stuff. Uh, you mentioned the national. I think that's for the first time. It's like on our radar. We're going to get a little bit into that, uh, and of course, some of the reaction to top series too. But I do want to ask you uh, because this is, I think, if uh, you're a follower of the hobby, uh, some big news that uh, you, after many episodes of Go GTS Live, you left the show. So uh, just, uh, just if you want to talk about your time with the show, uh, some of your favorite memories, and uh, you know, and if there's anything on the horizon of what's next for you awesome well yeah thank you um uh, it was an incredible incredible time uh gts is truly like a family um 
I absolutely love them. And it was tough having to step away. A lot of people were like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And it's like, yeah, actually, I've got too much good stuff going on right now. I'm just so crazy busy. Um, and literally uh, less than a week ago, we welcomed a new child into hey. the apartment. And if you're watching on if if you're watching on podcast, you're not getting this. But if you're watching on video, like I don't have a background up, you literally see my office space in my apartment in Los Angeles. Which go look at square footage cost for renting in LA. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, so we we just got a lot going on and. Um, getting asked to do the show by Rob Bertrand six and a half, almost seven years ago, really, because we spent a lot of prep time before we went live um, was just an honor in and of itself. Um, and the resources that GTS threw behind us to make sure that, you know, it was easy for us to do and that we could do it right. And then all the opportunities that came along with it, visiting, you know, the, being on stage at the national. Um, I just can't say thank you enough. Sadly, it was just a time that I needed a bit more time for myself in my, my day job uh, and in my family. Um, You know, we're also prepping, probably leaving Southern California in the next six months. So that'll be a big step and just trying to get that organized with the kids and with the cross country move and everything. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, and, and there's so many great, you know, when we started, we were the only video podcast. Like we were literally the first video uh, show for the hobby, um, you know, on YouTube, Facebook, anywhere. And I know now that there's a lot of great content all around. So I'm happy to pass the reins somewhat to Mojo Break, uh, yep, Mojo Break yep. Card Shop and uh, um, all the other great creators. So Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you guys have, uh, have been really a trusted voice in the hobby for a, a while. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, you, you mentioned it. There's, there's an incredible influx uh, of, of talent, uh, of interest, of just a genuine like excitement for this hobby and in all the podcasts and videos and everything that's come with it. So, uh, and you guys definitely help uh, pave that way. So, uh, well, great to hear that uh, things are exciting. There's, you know, that uh, things are things are looking up. That uh, it, it's always a good thing to know that it's not for a lack of, you know, there there wasn't any ill will. It's just, uh, you know, like you said, just too busy. Just there's almost too much stuff going on. So. Uh, uh, it's good to hear that. Um, let's move into the hobby a little bit. Talk a little bit about what's going on. Uh, I always ask everybody, and again, you know, if you're listening to this, I think uh, people are pretty familiar with you and what you've done in this in- industry. But everybody starts somewhere, and I always like to ask people, what was that thing that got you into this hobby initially? What was sort of the gateway into whether it be baseball cards or any sort of sports cards? What was that first? Uh, whether it be a card you oh. got or a product you got or a pack you bought somewhere, what was what was I'm, it that got you? I'm into the so disorganized. Pack? I'm going to totally fail this question on live <laughs> TV because I've got the not only the the answer, but I've got the coolest to me. Nobody yeah. else cares, probably. Um, the coolest piece of it, just like I just had an aha moment a few weeks ago that I didn't own the original piece that really got me into the hobby. And I went out on com C and I bought it for 25 cents and paid five bucks to ship it here. And now I'm like, where did I put it? What a steal. <laughs> where did I put it? Oh um, no. 
So at least for the audio people while I search for this. So when I was four years old, I was visiting Chicago with my dad, who is from there originally. So I was raised with Chicago teams, uh, Cubs, Bears, Bulls. And um, while we were there at a Woolworths, he bought me a pack of what was, it's a little bit unique. It's actually 1988 Donruss All-Stars. Oh, sure. And in the, ah, found it. Oh, there we go. I knew it was here. Perfect. In that very first pack I bought of however many cards, there was an insert, and the insert was a pop-up, fold-out pop-up figure, Andre Dawson All-Star, Chicago Cubs, bought in Chicago when I was four years old, and I was hooked. And so next year I started you know, buying 1989 tops and actually taught myself how to read because I knew who all the players were because I watched the Cubs every single day on WGN. Um, And uh, so that's where I got started. And then I got back into the hobby after, you know, high school and uh, college and moving a whole bunch. I would acquire little packs here and there during that time. And I'd literally rip them and put them back in the pack and they'd be part of my move packet you know because um especially in los angeles like when you first move here every six months you have a new apartment it seems right uh and then around 2011 we moved into actually this apartment here um and i just had a feeling like it was bigger space than we'd ever had there was actually space i could put these cards and i was like you know what let me sort these i can actually start collecting again because i have this space here and in sorting one of the boxes, I found two Mark Sanchez rookies from 2009 tops that looked exactly the same, had the same card number, uh, or sorry, had the same card number, but had different pictures on the front. And I said, what's this? And I went out on Beckett.com and paid 99 cents for pricing and saw that it was an image variation worth $70. I got on eBay and I sold it for 40 and was totally fine with that because I had no idea it was worth anything. It was also right before it was literally the off season where Sanchez Sanchez had peaked before yeah, coming down. Yep, yep. And I was hooked hooked back in from that moment. So I've been collecting strong since 2011ish again. Nice, nice. Yeah, pre butt fumble, probably a good time yep. to sell on 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 Mark Sanchez. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, so much fun to just to see how everybody got back into it, how they got into it, and I can I can definitely assure you, the first one I've heard where he said I got back into it thanks to Mark Sanchez. So uh, <laughs> respect to him. Good, great broadcaster. Uh, I think he's 100%. doing a great job. Do yeah. we have time? I don't know how much time we have on this podcast. Yeah. What What's yours, Cody? Have you shared already, or is I, this... I, I, I have a little bit. Uh, I think I maybe on other podcasts, but not on this one particularly. Uh, but for me, it was uh, getting into baseball in the '98 season, the home run chase. I think that mm. a lot of kids of my era, that's how they got into it. I loved Griffey and stuff, but like that's what the McGuire Sosa chase got me into it. So I went, well, I need to do everything i can do like anything there is about this game so my dad immediately was like here let me show you i got a whole box full of cards we went to our local card shop and i would just save up so uh yeah it's him giving me all those cards of like carl yastrzemski and roberto clemente's <laughs> wow. and uh, a 
really beat up like at the time i was like man this card is absolutely terrible but like a uh from the cereal boxes the lenticular of like willie mays and i think there were a few other guys mm-hmm. in it and of course i look it up and like a nice you know like a psa nine or ten of them are <laughs> uh worth a pretty penny i had no idea what i was sitting on uh, yeah. so it's definitely thanks to him showing me those cards after i took an interest to baseball and then also like collecting pokemon cards at the same time and entered that so i was collecting strong from like probably about 98 to 2005 or six where it was either pokemon or was it was baseball cards um and then yeah it was probably just a few years ago where i just was uh you know uh, i think a lot of people were looking for something new to do during uh the pandemic trying to trying to figure out a career change or a career path and uh i worked in sports radio and uh, as we're just desperately searching for topics during yeah, the absolute n- nothing is happening. All we're talking yeah. about is the same episode of the last dance every other day until the new one premieres. And mm. I was, as I was trying to find stories, I kept finding stories of like a LeBron card is sold for a million dollars. A Giannis card is sold for $700,000. I'm like, what's going on? What has happened here? So then I dug deeper and started to do research on it found this job and uh the rest is history so uh i've been collecting working in it and collecting in it now for now just about two years uh after you know collecting all throughout my childhood so it's and uh man i'm 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 thrilled to be back it's such a fun uh industry and meeting good people and uh just it's 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 uh it's good vibes all around i would say i I think sometimes if it could you can get caught up maybe online where it feels like maybe it's not and there's some you know we can get into some of the negative reactions of stuff but Mm -hmm. overall my experience in person has always been like it's i'm just thrilled to be part of this community yeah well that's one of my first like if, if people ever ask for advice i don't know why they ask me for advice but i am a dad so i'm willing to give it um <laughs> but it's like remember the first off the hobby is the people and i actually took that john newman who runs a sports card uh, uh nation podcast i heard it from him first and he says it all the time but it's true like one of the things that makes this hobby great, whether I'm showing you my 25 cent Andre Dawson card or my $2,000 Lewis Hamilton card is I'm showing you, we're talking about it. We're interacting. We both love sports. We both have this connection that comes stronger from the cards. And there is rarely, uh, there has never been really an event in person that has not been so much better than anything else when it comes to the hobby like just hanging out with people and talking with people you know i go to events like that and 95 percent of the people just fill me with joy just seeing them in person from all of our online interactions and it's just fun to hang out with and that's really i mean i talked about what hooked me into the hobby but what has really gotten me back is the community at the end of the day you could throw out all of the money and i've still got better friends from this hobby than i ever had from anything else in life maybe that reflects on me i don't know (laughs) but it's like i found people that care as much as i do about cards or as much as i did as a kid about cards and even more you know i got corrected by uh, a guy today on something and i'm like yep you were stale gum he created uh co-created baseball cardpedia yeah yeah and there was a thing on 2005 tops that i posted and then you know he responded and I was like, well, yeah, that's not archive signature. And he's like, no, back in 2005, that particular set came in a slab. And I was like, I, I love that you know more than me about it. Like, right. 
I can continue to learn in this. And uh, so I encourage anybody, if you're feeling down, but you, you feel like there's still something there in cards and you're just feeling down from an online interaction or something, find a card show, you know, make a way to get to the national or one of these other industry events because the hobby is the people. That hundred uh, percent perfectly said. Uh, I, I love it. And uh, yeah, it, it's a great way to kind of uh, now as we're in that sort of month now ramp up towards the national nice little advertisement. If you're like on the fence and, you know, like I said, maybe turned off at times that to me is like, go, go see people, go have fun. You know, it's nice yeah. to talk to someone rather than look at a computer. I mean, just in general, that makes all the difference. So uh, and to be around like minded people, people who share that common interest, like it, it's it's always a good time. Uh Let's uh, let's move on to one of our big topics today, because um, we uh, kind of segueing into, you know, the online community can tend to get a little negative at times for certain things. It happens in everything online. Uh, I hurt my own knuckles. <laughs> get a little extreme, really into I'm it. So weak. <laughs> Top Series 2, uh, which has been quite a roller coaster ride. Um, we talked about it on last week's episode, so I feel like I have to bring it up again because we talked last week at Scotty B, Scotty B cards, and we talked in depth about what is happening with Top Series 2, and we didn't know what the checklist, what the full checklist was. I, I was just going to say, like, the, yeah. the the checklist had been released, but had yeah. any boxes been ripped when you talked about That's it? That's the thing, is is we were saying, boy, this checklist looks a little rough, doesn't it? Uh, now, the idea of, hey, maybe they sprinkled in a few short print rookies of these big guys that we all thought were going to be in here with J-Rod, Torkelson. And if that happens, throw this episode in the garbage and act like it didn't happen. Well, <laughs> guess what happened? <laughs> they included all three of those guys as short print rookies. And gosh, the, the I mean, literally on the like the night before people were starting to rip open the first boxes of this, I started to see, or I, I think I saw Tops put something out like, oh yeah, we got a couple guys. Don't worry about it. We got you guys. You're covered. Um, so just just your general thoughts on this kind of roller coaster ride we've been on with people just being like, this is gonna be the worst product ever to like now, hey, maybe I actually like this version where these rookies that everybody wants are going to be a real legitimate chase what do you think about uh top series two so far um well so i can provide you two perspectives but i think the most important perspective almost is the third which would be you know um doug's perspective you know like what what does the hobby shop and the breaker think about this because um the collector perspective is uh I'm glad it's affordable and that it seems to have some chase value. Um, you know, I know flagship, you're, you shouldn't be buying flagship expecting to make your money back. And this is my second hat, my financial economist uh, level looking at it, not financial advice. Um, you know, you shouldn't be expecting to make your money back, but let's be honest, the hobby is a little bit more fun when there is that chase element. When I can rip a, a $100 box of cards and possibly pull a $1,000 Wander Franco Auto or a $600 Ted Williams Legendary Home Field Advantage or $300 Bobby Witt or J-Rod SSP, um, it makes it a bit more fun to have a chase element. While I'm collecting my Jason Hayward Cubs cards and my Ian Happ Cubs cards and, you know, 
wishing that Seiya Suzuki had a chase card in this. I mean, come yeah. on, Tops. So, one, I hate that Seiya has uh, been let out, like, clearly doesn't seem to be in the product after almost a week of ripping. Um, but two, it's a reminder to all of us on the financial side and making wise decisions with our money to stop, like, recognize. I mean, I was, I was bearish on it when I saw the checklist. That was all the information we had at the time to go off of was the published checklist by Tops. So coming back and now saying, well, hey, I'm excited for this product now at $80 a box. I love it. At $95 a box, I kind of love it. That's not, you know, that's not a shift. It's just we have different information. And so just be careful making decisions based on whatever information is at hand then. Sometimes that's how you can hit the fences, but that's also how you can strike out. Um, you know, pre-orders of uh, F1, you know, uh, or first week orders of F1 this year that were priced like it was going to be 2020 F1, but it was 2021 F1. Yeah. You know, was that right or wrong? Now, at the same time, how did you get 2020 F1? By rolling the dice. So just keep in mind that information changes. Now, I'm really curious how a hobby shop owner would feel or an LCS owner would feel about Tops releasing a checklist that makes a product's price go down because it looks bad and then putting in everything that everybody wanted in the first place. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to quite a few people that have purchased boxes, uh, you know, pre-orders or um, from higher prices than Tops's selling it for now or than the market is bearing now and you know it's just kind of tough that the value that's there now is what likely was reflected in those prices originally mm -hmm. but because the public sentiment on the checklist did this it's going to be hard to see boxes go back to 125 129 dollars true because the overall public sentiment did this so now are you going to see that increase? So it's it raises kind of an interesting question on what is the manufacturer's duty when it comes to checklists, um, you know, or Easter eggs. It's funny because we like them when they're Easter eggs. We don't like them if they aren't on the checklist and it hurts the product. It's very much a knife cuts both ways scenario. And I probably didn't clarify anything except just talk a whole lot about <laughs> no, I I, I think both that sides see. right. You know, and I think there is. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a both sides thing uh, here. But uh, I I I think that there is. I I think maybe if we could go back, maybe. Uh, this has been sort of my uh, my go to for this whole thing. Just to to be clear, is if Tops could have just said from the get go, we're going to release series two. It's going to have these guys. I think they absolutely would have. I think clearly there was probably a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes leading up to it where they said, we have got to get these guys in there. Maybe there should have been more clarity on their side that, hey, these guys are in here from the get go. Um, but there's so many things at play right now. Supply chain issues. The uh, There was almost a strike in baseball this year. or We had a lockout. There was almost going to be a, a season that possibly didn't happen i think top still wanted to stick to a schedule and say this is when these products are coming out which i think we would i i, I would prefer that rather than the opposite um so yeah it, it's a it presents an interesting situation and i guess now maybe the best thing about this is it seems like going forward 
because now we've had enough the last few years there's been sort of a precedent set that tops is going to probably do this going forward they're going to put in these huge rookies uh from that get called opening day or right around that time and they're going to have them as short prints and it just didn't because of the weirdness of the last few years maybe there was just not that clarity of like is this how they're going to keep doing things but maybe that clarity going forward that series two is going to be that product that has these short print rookies so everybody plan accordingly uh you know in 2023 when who knows who's going to be but in see, there here's, so here's the problem is when you start doing that when they change things every year, you can't do that. Yeah. And I mean, this goes back to conversations I had with my LCS when I was just starting and they didn't buy enough because they had to order so far out in advance. They didn't buy enough 2020 football direct because 2011 strapped them a little bit. Right. And then middle of 2020, uh, 2012, um, they're like, doing great numbers with Andrew Luck, RG3, Russell Wilson turning out to be a gym. You know, remember, he wasn't that highly regarded um, at first that year. That they're like, oh, man, okay, well, pre-orders are coming in for 2020, uh, 2013. We got to order it all up. And then 2013 hits and there's nobody. And some people out there, you know, will say that are like super heavy into draft prospecting will be like, well, we knew. We knew Geno Smith wasn't. Andrew Luck and it's like yeah but when you're a hobby shop owner running a business you can't always go that deep and you can't go that deep in five six seven different sports you know you don't know if if La Liga Mosaic is a good product or not you just know that the last one skyrocketed and so you can't miss out on the next one and so I think it it creates an interesting disservice the amount of change that we see happen and you know, I'll say this has been one of my gripes for a long time is the level of communication. And I don't know if it's because they're busy or it's, be, it's because they don't care or if it's actually a tactical thing because they can make more money maybe with that. But like it goes back to my my other huge card that I always have on my desk, 2014 Bowman, mm-hmm. where a bunch of Cubs collectors were chasing the crap out of this guy. And he was a redemption. So you had to rip the product to get it. And then they did two things with this card. One, they re-released it in boxes of 2014 Bowman Chrome, and it was live. It wasn't a redemption. So today, if you buy 2014 Bowman, hoping to hit Chris Bryant's first card, you're actually hitting an expired redemption. Right, right. You're better off chasing it in 2014 Bowman Chrome. And they released the 2013. So in 2013 draft, he was supposed to, I don't know if he was supposed to or what all we knew was that he had tweeted a picture of his super fractor but then he didn't make the checklist right. and then in inception that year and in Bowman Platinum all of a sudden there's 2013 Chris Bryant Bowman Chrome autos and it says first this says first this one came out first that one shows a different product design like which one is first so this is not necessarily new and it also makes me think about update, you know, like what's in, what's an update that's going to be good this year is say you're going to get a rookie card and update. Yeah, Probably, hope so. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's other rookies that seem to have gotten called up in time for the rookie card designation in previous years that got the call up on their tops. Now, uh, Nolan Gorman, for example, like, you know, so are they holding him back for next year? And we just saw it with Wander Franco and the whole kerfuffle with 2021 Bowman's best because of right. the set order and numbering and historically what a rookie card has been 
And then people arguing, well, no, TOPS defines it this way, so we have to go with what TOPS defines. And I'm like, this is a corporation that has been making a lot of changes or mistakes for years. Are they allowed to define it when it's simply being defined for their profit? I don't know. You know, and don't get me wrong, I love TOPS. I'm surrounded by their cards right now. Yeah. You know, I've got stacks and stacks of them, but like, <laughs> but do we let them dictate and and so i guess my my biggest thing was you saying okay so now they're setting the precedent and i am so frustrated with how manufacturers set a precedent and then break it the minute people are starting right. to trust it yeah that's true and we've seen it so much i mean heck we're talking about it with with prism football it's every single year it seems like the amount of silvers you're going to get in every box changes some years it's four some years it's every rookie there was one year it was every rookie now it's two it's like or maybe it's four now i'm see i'm confusing myself Uh, well because there's so many configurations too so i get it but yeah it's like like what about those years where all of a sudden the rookies were only silvers like that's incredible that and that was incredible for the for the product and demand um you know, I, I've I've said this at the industry summit or the uh, the Mint Collective. Um, I've said it to uh, Josh Luber. I don't know if he remembers me saying it or not, but um, I would just love it to see manufacturers take two products a year and intentionally make the same or even less than they they did the year before, or do something like with the rookies making them all silver um prisms and i think uh what was the basketball product this year where the rookies are all to 9.99 or less um, oh uh gosh uh off the top of my head i'm trying i i know it elite wasn't certified is like that. was it is elite it, yeah uh, elite. yeah i believe it's elite elite uh, I, <laughs> manufacturers have to leave something on the bone and i hope they see with the way that the hobbies seem to respond to elite that that's in their best interest and it keeps people interested It may seem like it's losing a little bit of money, but like elite popped a lot better than most other basketball products this year because of that. They were good looking cards overall. The inserts were good. But then that addition of the rookies being somewhat limited in a unique way, I think really, really added to it. That's a great point. That is a great point. Yeah, it's definitely was one of the better elites I've seen in a while. So that was a good product this year and uh, hopefully follow suit. And I think kind of to lead into something else I want to talk about here is that the hope is that as fanatics becomes more and more involved in this industry and is dictating, you know, the next product releases, maybe you start to gain some consistency across the board of like, here's what you can expect from, from every set. Um, Because clearly, you know, this is, we have just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg of what, this change to the industry is going to mean and what's what it's going to do and i want to talk about that because um it's this is kind of more of a broader uh not not necessarily related to baseball but i do want to bring it back to baseball cards uh that big news last week about fanatics in the college sports license uh felt like a pretty monumental moment uh because every single time it seems like that uh, a panini has some uh, you know they, they they've still got something in their pocket we saw it with the wwe deal which you know in, in the hobby maybe seemed like a smaller thing but you see the success of wwe prism and clearly maybe a, a bigger uh, a bigger chip than maybe we had expected and but this this college uh, sports one again college sports not as big as the pro ones but it just feels like another step towards kind of taking another major step away until you know who knows until it runs dry uh, over at Panini um, so I guess just in general 
Um, what do you think, where do you think we're going to be here in about, uh, gosh, I was going to say a year, but I think obviously the national, I think it could be a, uh, some major news and some major shakeups leading up to it or just after it or at it. Um, and then from a baseball perspective, it kind of seems like the most stable sport, uh, in terms of what kind of products we're getting. Cause now everything's locked up tops is there and it's all in house. Um, but uh, again, this is all speculative, but if things happen where it's like Panini either comes aboard or Panini sorts of starts to uh, uh, kind of uh, rent out their brands, for lack of a better term, of, uh, you know, Prism, NT, all that, uh, what effect does it have for baseball cards? But before we get to that, just sort of a general thought of like, where are we? Where do you see this ending here in the next month, six months, 12 months with Fanatics and Panini and, and what's going on as they're taking all their brands here? Or life. Uh, well, I mean, it's it. I don't know where I see it ending. Um, I don't know, you know, what Panini's plans are. I haven't been able to really talk to anybody about that. Um, or Fanatics, even if they're trying to take over Panini, or if um, I, I'll say the the more interesting thing that you didn't really hit on, uh, but it's buried in all that, is the way that nil and individual contracts and individual rights yeah. have been getting licensed. I mean, look at what Onyx has done with individual players without logos, with art cards that are signed. Um, you know, the Ken Griffey Juniors are doing fantastic on the secondary market. Um, look at what, you know, Tops has done with Overtime Elite, you know, going right. after a different unique license that could have some huge impact down the line. Um, but also makes sense for that league to get into, you know, and there's so many soccer leagues out there that aren't licensed right now with anybody, like anybody can always go after those. Right. So, um, and even like, you know, F one's been so huge and nobody seems to be talking about the fact that IndyCar hasn't had a card licensee for years now. It's a great, and I know point. lots of IndyCar fans. So, yeah. So th it's interesting to me, the licensing game, more so than the brand game because i see a combination of of opportunities as well as challenges there which is you know can you have one big mega conglomerate can they handle everything or no matter how hard they try is there always going to be a small player that's going and saying you know well hey i can sign spencer rattler or i can sign uh you know name a player I, top soccer right. top women's soccer player right now uh katarina macario seems like either her or her team are not signing with tops for tops chrome uefa women's champions league and her team leon uh is literally just one they were the champions of the champions league so there's so much room for negotiation and so many people chasing it and then the unintended consequence of that is as you have Brian Gray and as you have Lance Fisher chasing college athletes and chasing lesser known athletes, well, they have to pay them, you know, and they, it gets more and more competitive and that can actually raise the prices on these other manufacturers for those types of athletes. Hmm. So I just wonder whether fanatics can own it all, um, you know, or if Panini has some really interesting plans for alternative licensees that they're chasing after. Um, 
you know, we haven't heard any talk about soccer and who plans to go after what leagues there or what the plans are. And we know that that's huge and growing. Um, you know, Panini survived as a company for a long time before they were doing basketball cards. Uh, they're an Italian company. Soccer's an Italian sport. La Liga Mosaic. It's out there. Um, so, again, not really an answer. I wish I knew something. I wish I could say, yeah, you know, the guys at Panini called me and told me this. and Or, you know, <laughs> Josh Luber and that one conversation I had with him when I told him uh, print runs matter. Yeah, turned around and said, yeah, and our plan is. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it, it really is all speculation at this point. But, uh, I, yeah, I think you're right that it's basically – it kind of feels like for Panini, it's really just if they soccer is at the end of the day, it is like if they lose that, that that is the equivalent of what happened to tops with baseball and and fanatics. And that hasn't quite happened yet. I know the NFL and the NBA and stuff feels like huge and it is. Uh, but if they can hold on to world cup, if they can hold on to those licenses, then they're, I think they will at least accept that as like, we can still survive. And I think frankly, you know, just in general, it's always good to have competition and to have something to, you know, to not just have it all come from under one roof. Um, and, you know, I mentioned earlier that maybe things start to be more organized and you know exactly what you're getting from products. And there's not this weird variations of like, what rookies are in here, how many silvers are getting there and all that. Um, and when it's all under one roof, but the opposite can be true as well. That it's just simply, um, you know, too many, uh, too many, uh, you know, too many cooks uh, making the, making the soup. So it, it might be a little too much uh, at times. And uh, uh, before we, we move on to our, our final topic uh, back to top series two, just talking on the field of those four guys that are now, it sounds like there's going to be four guys here for tops Chrome. Big rookie chases. Uh, Witt, Torkelson, Julio Rodriguez, and of course, Wander. Um, now we can include those three guys with Wander in that conversation of of those four. Who do you see having the best future uh, on the field or if there's a different answer in the hobby uh, for both for both of those? Um, I got to just turn to Google real quick and check the age on this one. Twenty one yeah. years. All relatively 21 I mean, years, 21 yeah. years. That's only uh, so there's only two months between them, really, because wow, it's geez. December 29th, 2000 is Julio and March 1st, 2001 is Wander. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm inclined to go with the right fielder, Julio Rodriguez, over Wander. I just wanted to make sure the age difference wasn't vastly different. Because obviously age plays a bigger a big part in the hobby at least yeah. with you know how much can they do in their career how much time do they have left to live up to these crazy expectations so I think I would go Julio Rodriguez over Wander long term yeah. wow if I were buying one yeah you know it's I really like Wander but I think the things that stick in my mind are like he plays for Tampa and. He, what I think before it was like he plays for Tampa, no disrespect to Rays fans, but it was the feeling of like you've got five to six years in that uniform and then you're out of there. For him, it's the opposite. He's going to be there for a long time, which also might not be the best thing because that team does get to the playoffs every year, but they just kind of, you know, in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox and to a lesser extent, the Blue Jays, when they're turn when they're on, uh, they do kind of get lost in the shuffle. So as great as he could be. Um, well, 
and I would also like just comparing them right now on two different tabs, like hate to be that guy, prove me wrong, Drew Brees, but 5'10, 189 pounds at shortstop versus 6'3, 228 in the outfield. He just maybe a long career as a DH. Yeah. Uh, Rodriguez just looks like a ball player. Uh, and he's playing like it right now. He's just been sensational for now about a month and a half. He's been tearing it up. And two, I think uh, going back to the teams, I think Seattle is. Uh, a place where despite the fact that they're like farther away from any other team in professional sports uh, being up there in the Pacific Northwest, they are, they generate so many of the most iconic players in baseball mm-hmm. over the last 30 years. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. Obviously Ichiro, um, you know, and you, you could say a rod, so, you know, starting there and all these, so many great young talented players have come through there. Uh, so I, that I think is a big something big going in his direction but the play on the field um he's been sensational uh i i was up in seattle a couple weeks ago and he's the guy he comes up and everyone's wearing his shirts everyone's chanting julio in the in the audience and like that to me i was like this this is it like this guy's this guy's the real deal it already happened that quickly they have all just like he is the star of the show up there in Seattle. So, yeah, I, I think I tend to agree. How about uh, Torkelson and, and Witt? Are you are you not big on either of those guys, maybe? Or uh, just maybe a little bit of like, show me a little more before. Well, so I, I tweeted just yesterday, plug for my Twitter, twitter.com slash watch the breaks. Um, people are complaining about the market being down. And they forget that performance matters. And they also forget yes. that the market is based on so much expectation. In fact, sorry for all the parenthetical uh, disclaimers, but not financial advice. Um, just today, I was reading a Market Watch article on the market itself, not the card market, but the market itself, and earnings for most of the S and P five hundred exceeded expectations. Was how they put it. There was like, or sorry, I should say, increased. That's the thing. They increased right. earnings. Increased year over year in the most recent uh, earnings reports for most of the S&P 500. Why is the S&P 500 down so much? It's because expectations. Well, I didn't want it to exceed by 9%. I wanted it to exceed by 19%. And so I feel like with the card market, there is so much of that expectation baked in that if Bobby Witt Jr. becomes a next uh, uh, baseball experts are going to kill me for this comp. I'm just looking at a card and seeing, you know, similar builds for me but he becomes the next joey Votto. well the current prices are not going to last yeah so i wouldn't be buying it you know and joey Votto is most likely a hall of famer right and that would be a heck of a way to i mean he would have a heck of a career but you're right it's gosh it's just like it's it's crazy to say if what if bobby what's the next joey Votto, and you would feel like that's a disappointment which just seems insane uh, now you want to this... hear my biggest my biggest hot take ever? Oh, please! I've been I've been raked over the coals for this when I've tweeted it before. I, you know, hopefully this doesn't come out for a few days because I'm busy the rest <laughs> of the afternoon and can't field your your Twitter arguments. You've got about a 24 hours to get ready here. So, okay, yeah. good. So I've I've tweeted before. Like, is Ken Griffey Jr.'s 1989 Upper Deck card the biggest disappointment in trading card history? Whoa. Okay. Yeah, that is insanely hot. It's it's somewhat hot, but think about it. Like people were going to go to college on that card. He was going to be the absolute king. 
he was going to break all the records that Barry Bonds ended up breaking. He was the chosen one. You know, he was absolutely it. And yes, he had a Hall of Fame career. Yes, he had a great career. But I still think he fell about a hundred home runs and at least one World Series ring Absolutely. below expectations. And you couldn't send your kid to college on that. You could have if you bought a Jordan rookie then and held for 30 years. That's true. You couldn't holding that card for 30 years. Yeah. I was going to say, well, you could blame print runs and blah, blah, blah. But you mentioned it. The Jordan rookie uh, doesn't matter. There's about as I would say probably less of those out there than there are of Griffey. But it's not so significant that uh, that you could really blame it. So, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. But again, no, I mean, you're right. The, I mean, the career was not what they what they expected that's true at the end of the day and again i say that as somebody that was around at that time and maybe it was just the marketing in omaha nebraska or the beckett articles or the lcs i talked to but he was he was willie mays and that card was way above everything else and it's just you know like did it fully live up to it somebody uh posted from a beckett uh um, from back in the day, it was like a hundred dollar card then, and I think you can still get them for that raw, right? Yeah, just about. I'll that sounds that. about right. But man, uh, that's uh, that's something I'll have to bring up. With uh, Dan is a huge defender of that card. Says it is the most iconic card of the last 25, 30, 40 years. Now that might not be a arguing that either. Yeah, not arguing that's that a at all. Conversation. Yeah. But it's the right. card more people recognize that card when, when they hear when if they're not a collector and they hear that I collect more people mention, oh, I had the King Griffey Jr. rookie than any other card. Yeah. You know, more people true. say that than Michael Jordan rookie. So I, that is, I that agree is with him there. But when we're talking about, you know, do I want to buy Bobby Witt Jr. rookie cards, flagship rookie cards or, um, you know, what have you right now? Mm. Not really. Keep it in mind. A guy who is a top 10 home run hitter of all time, maybe the most iconic player of his era, for sure, even if he wasn't the best. Yeah, that's true. And even he maybe didn't, in your eyes, did not uh, live up to the financial, I guess, expectations that people uh, were giving that card. So something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do a quick uh, round of what we call the taxi squad. It's our buy or sell segment. Uh, our group of players that are either we are going to send down, we're going to call up, or we are going to keep on the bench. Are we buying them? Are we selling them? Or are we holding them? Uh, we're talking Ooh. prospects and rookies, and there's going to be another new hot rookie, Gabriel Moreno. He's a top five rookie uh, among MLB Pipeline. Uh, I believe the number four rookie an MLB pipeline uh, called up by Toronto was tearing it up in triple a 324 average 380 on base percentage uh, a 2020 first Bowman Chrome green atomic auto PSA 10 uh, on June 12th sold for $1,355. This was an interesting call up. I'm not as in tune to the day in day out activities of the blue Jays. I know they're doing well right now, but I know enough that I know Alejandro Kirk is behind home plate for them. He's not. He's still in his mid twenties. He's a guy that I think I, clearly they want Moreno to be the guy behind home plate. But Kirk is having an All Star season right now. He looks really good. The call up surprised me. I don't think he's long for the major leagues right now. He could be next year. So if I was an owner of his, this is one of the few times I'd say if you got a hot prospect catcher, actually hold him uh, because usually I'd be like sell, sell, sell. It's never going to get any higher than this for a prospect catcher. Uh, where are you at, Gabriel Moreno, buy, sell, or hold? 
I am selling so fast. I can't even believe we're having this conversation, <laughs> Cody. When did you get back into collecting? I know. No, past, don't past 24 months. We we had a whole yeah. episode about how I'm like, if you've got Adley, sell Adley right now. If you've He's done, a I don't catcher. Exactly. exactly. He's a catcher. What are you talking about? <laughs> sell him. Go buy him. 25 cent Mike Piazza rookie just to remember the lesson. There you go. And move on. There you go. Short and sweet. Uh yeah. We've got a Buster Posey up here. And hey, it's a great card, but you know, the Bobby Witts of the world and uh the these guys just sell better. It's just what it is. We got if if there's anything this podcast is gonna accomplish, it's gonna give long-term love to the catchers. We got it. I, I want to give the love to the catchers, but I, I get it. I know. Uh, I, I want to, too. Yeah. I'll say all of this is just trying to help people make wise decisions, though. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I've been buying goalkeepers, which are is probably going to bite me in the butt in soccer. But, like, I would never advise someone else to do it. I'm just doing it because it's the biggest gamble out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. remember the risk. <laughs> like, Yeah. $1,300 for a, a rookie catcher who, like I said, probably isn't going to be up for very much longer we'll probably start in a year or two with this team uh he's up for a cup of coffee and that would probably be it so yeah maybe maybe it's maybe it's time yeah, get, to spell, but get, what are the other names on this list come on give me some I, give me some well, big ones give me some funny, hard ones it, this is funny because <laughs> the next guy is a pitcher and you're gonna go oh god come on what do you have did you learn anything but oh, it's justin verlander and i think he's an interesting okay case. so not a pitcher call up exactly it's That's not different. a call up it's Verlander, who mm-hmm. I think is an interesting case because of what he's doing right now. Um, his stuff was always on, obviously, the higher end for pitchers because if he retires tomorrow, he's a Hall of Famer. But at the age of 39, he ranks first in wins, fifth in ERA, second in innings pitch, which to me is the most incredible stat of that, uh, first in whip, and second in batting average against. Uh, 2005 Topps Chrome Refractor, BGS 9.5, uh, his first year uh, refractor, sold for $1,700 on June 13th. Uh, there's a lot of lower-end stuff for him. This was an auto, by the way. Um and I, I and think you said he what, is BGS 95 BGS 95 BGS 95 for a first year top scrum refractor auto. Um, just what he's accomplishing right now uh, at at his age and after Tommy John surgery is so remarkable to me. There's nothing he can do at this point other than, you know, God forbid there's some steroid stuff. You know, I, I hope there's not knock on wood, uh, but other than that there's really nothing he can do to bring his value down at this point um so where are you at with verlander like i said i know i threw a catcher and a pitcher at you but uh buy and selling or holding on the future hall of famer um if i had it i'd definitely be holding uh so looking at psa just because their pop report is easier to search i'm sorry mm-hmm. i'm not trying to play favorites who's who sponsors <laughs> this again um mojo break so don't sponsor. worry about okay it. Yeah. <laughs> according to mojo break grading <laughs> there you um, go <laughs> has that happened yet it's about to right everywhere yeah that's um, yeah yeah we're we're working on it yeah uh 10 psa or sorry 42 psa 10s of that card 42 wow how many more are we going to see in the next decade probably not very many not very and many total total graded with them is 139 how many more is that number even going to go up and yeah. how much is if we do compare that i'm sure someone will i expect you to be accurate i know this is a very small slice of the pie 
compare that to the BGS pop report, but also ask yourself how many of the 88 nines have been cracked and resubbed to BGS to try to get a nine five. You know, how many duplicates are on that pop report? I think with a proven Hall of Famer with rings, with all time career stats, yeah, that's definitely a hold. And if you're a Hall of Famer prospector, uh, it's a 50% buy if you've got the money. And I say 50% because it could get cheaper for a while in the future. But there's also the potential that he continues this tear throughout the season. And Houston makes the uh, the postseason, and it sets a new a new spot from which it may not go down, or it may go up so high if he has a continued great year that even going down during those post year uh, post playing career dips may not go as low as it is right now. That's the risk side. That's your gambling side. You know, you you measure that as you will. But I'm definitely holding if I own the card and thinking about buying if it fits my my strategy yeah i think you're right I, i've been if it's in your budget that's a buy because of what he's accomplishing right now he's he's now gone from i think you're very good he's hall of fame pitcher to now there's a chance here the next i mean he doesn't show any signs of stopping that he is in that sort of upper echelon of guys to nolan ryan's and stuff like that where he is uh, he he reaches this legendary status of Coming back from uh, some down years in the middle of his career, a Tommy John in this part of his career just adds to it. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty remarkable to be watching what, what so he's doing right now. You want to know what else is interesting with him? I, I hadn't thought of this until just now, but I was like, I don't think I've ever seen an archive signature series card of him. And I just searched and, and there isn't. And wow. I would have to go on. Let me go to Com C. I uh, hope you don't mind me multitasking. No, that's fine. In the middle of your podcast. Um, but let me go to Com C and just search autographs and see newest. Okay, so he signed in. Yeah, the newest autograph on Com C, which is good because you can sort by date, is 2012. Whew, man. So the other thing you may be getting with Verlander was what you had with Randy Johnson for a long time, which is no new signatures. Dude's made enough money. He doesn't need to sit there and sign for, you know, 20 bucks an autograph or whatever um, and hurt his hand or potentially. So the signature pop report, broadly speaking, of Justin Verlander makes that very interesting to me. I, there's just just more and more reasons to get in on this guy is what I'm hearing right now. Uh, I, I was very much like looking at his stuff thinking – feel like that's the guy i feel like that's not a bad buy especially for a pitcher right now uh man i just bought one even more there you go there you go live on the show the absolute cheapest one because it's a (laughs) upper deck exquisite collection dual signature with josh johnson that's uh josh johnson wow there's a name yeah so it's only it's only 70 bucks and the next cheapest one there's a 99 dollar a couple 99 dollar ones I'm like, how much does Josh Johnson bring that price down? Um, but the other crazy thing is, it was numbered out of 55. That's yeah, okay. not it doesn't break it down enough to not uh, to not make a speculative buy. And yeah, uh, yeah I think it just made Waxback's Warning Track history uh, first purchase live on the show. So uh, there <laughs> you know we what go. else is interesting with Verlander is uh, people forget that Donruss uh, like used to have logos. Yeah, so like 
Verlander's old is. enough that he has a Donruss Elite rookie autograph. Say, That's we've a got, beautiful looking card. We've got a, a Donruss. This is a nothing, you know, not very much, but this rookie card from Artifacts Baseball right there. So, yeah, this, oh, yeah. it's out there. He's been yeah. playing long enough. So, yeah. uh, hey, well, Ivan, thanks you so much for uh, for coming on the show today. We'll leave it there. Um, again, you can follow him on Twitter at Watch the Breaks. Uh, check him out there. I, I follow him for the latest updates of like, hey, Tops has got the boxes up on their website. Go check it out. So I want to say thank you for that. There have been some times where I've uh, snagged the box because I saw you tweeted it out. So, uh, thank Ivan, uh, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you down the road. Thanks, Cody. Once again, big thank you to Ivan. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Watch the Breaks. I'm dead serious when I say uh, if I'm trying to swoop up a box of Topps baseball or some sort of Topps product because Lord knows those things go fast, man. And uh, Ivan is always a guy that uh, I know is right on top of it and is a big reason why I've been able to score some huge boxes uh, in the past. So thanks to Ivan for coming on the show and, of course, uh, for helping me buy some of those boxes to stash away for many years to come. And, uh, of course, if you want more of this podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, if you're listening to this somewhere else, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Mojo Break Sports Card Show. That's Mojo Break Sports Card Show. And you will get new episodes of Wax Packs every Tuesday and new episodes of our flagship podcast, The Hype, every Thursday. And, of course, subscribe to us on Mojo Break on YouTube. Mojo Break Media, you'll get full video podcasts. There's so much Mojo Break to get. MojoBreakShop.com. You can find it all. Just search Mojo Break. It's all going to come up, and you can check out the whole family of Mojo Break websites, videos, podcasts, and much more. Until next time, I'm Cody. We'll talk to you soon on the next episode of Wax Packs and Warning Tracks.